Okay, I have a gift for you. Uh, it's the season of giving, and um, it's probably already on your person. Uh, it could be on your phone. It might be sitting in front of you, but it's in the form of Ephesians chapter one. And I want to just, um, I want to re-remind you that it's there and uh, encourage you to open up because that's where we're going to be looking in a moment. Um, so this is just a really magical, magical season. And I don't know about you, but I, uh, I wish there was something that would take moments in time and capture them in such a way that um, I could just have them forever, like just bottle them up and I could pull those out whenever I need them. Um, magical moments where you're just sitting there and you have sort of the wherewithal in the midst of everything to just look around you and go, this is what life is all about. Moments like this right here. Um, so these magical moments, uh, we actually do have things, right, that, that capture moments in time. Um, and, uh, and even that isn't enough because we all take like 10,000 pictures every year and then we don't really even know what to do with them. Um, but Siri has thought of that as well. Siri brings up little memories on my phone. I know it's not technically Siri, but I pretend that it is. And puts these little memories up on the phone. And uh, you might think that uh, Siri just randomizes photos and puts them up. My wife had this show up on her phone, and it was titled this. It was titled Winter 2021 through 2022. And... Uh, At first, I just thought, man, Siri, you blew it. You just randomized stuff. Then I thought about winter of this time period, 2021, 2022. We're still sort of coming out of or in the middle of quarantine and worldwide pandemic. And I'm like, Siri, you won again. Like you knew exactly the picture to capture the season. Now, we cracked up at this picture. We were sitting there, and we just laughed our heads off that all three of these children... By the way, these are all my children. That's my dining room, in case you don't know. Um, all three of these children are just... Yeah, they're having a moment. Um, and uh, and I don't know what else was going on. None of us can remember the circumstances that prompted this exact moment in time. But I am absolutely certain of one thing. I am certain that right now, these three kids are busy being blessed. They are busy being blessed. Now, I said they're having a moment. They were, but they're blessed. Uh, Things could not possibly get worse for them in this moment, but they're blessed. Had I tried in that moment to try and convince my three children that they are deeply blessed, I would have failed miserably. They would not have believed me, but make no mistake about it. Blessed, blessed, blessed. All three of them in this picture are right now in this moment of this picture blessed. I want that to just be this metaphor for us. Uh, We are told who we are in Christ. It is divinely shown to us. And this is so impactful that we actually orient our entire life around what Jesus says is true of us. Is it important that we know who Jesus is? Yes, it is. We just sang, what child is this? There was all kinds of mistaken identity then. There's all kinds of mistaken identity now as to who Jesus is. But actually, infinitely more important than us understanding who Jesus is and what we say of Jesus, who he is, is what Jesus says is true of us. Hence the name orientation for this series. 
It's, it's like we, look at this picture. It's like we train our lens. We keep our focus on this bigger epic story that's going on. That the cross is the center and we are not. And that's really, really, really good news. And it takes refocusing and it takes returning our lens toward these realities because we forget. We tend to move our focus elsewhere. By way of review, we are brand new in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, the new is here. And so we look for that. We're beholding it. We're watching for it. We're also in Christ, his masterpiece. We are also in Christ, ambassadors on behalf of Christ, saying be reconciled to God. This is urgent work. We implore you. Remember, Jesus didn't just save us uh, from, from um, sinfulness, which he did. He saved us from meaninglessness. We have a purpose in our life. Today we had one more layer to this. And it's true of every single person who is in Jesus Christ. It's that we are blessed. Current, present. I want you to do something. Uh, You had a chance this morning to meet your neighbor. So you already know them. So they're not strangers to you. Um, I want you to turn to your neighbor. And I just want you to take a few seconds to say what comes to your mind when you hear the word blessed. And if you want, you could do a southern drawl. Blessed. You can think of it that way. Just what comes to your mind when you hear the word blessed? Turn to someone right now and tell me what comes to your mind. Don't tell me, tell them. All right. Uh, Phil, can we get the house lights on, by the way? That'd be great. Um, all right. A few answers. Let me hear what comes to mind when, uh, when you hear the word blessed. What are some of the answers that, that came back? Anyone? Joy. Marriage. Marriage. Okay. 58 years. 58 years. Give it up for that. You're blessed, my brother. What else? Family. Family? Yeah. What else? Friends. Friends? What's that? Favored by God. God. Yep. Being warm. Yeah. Provisions. Yep. What is it? Set apart. Okay. Thankful. Employment. Okay. Taken care of. Okay. Good. Grandkids. Hi, by the way, Steve Irwin. Good to see you. Les. Loved. Loved. Okay. I want to just highlight a couple things. No one yet has said crying in the dining room. (laughs) Right? Like, we don't don't think of that as blessed. Um, I'm here to convince you that that's actually part of it, that that's part of our, our moment. 
what you're saying is, I think, overwhelmingly what people think of. But we do say some interesting things, don't we? After someone sneezes in this country, what do we tend to say? Bless you, or the more full version, God bless you. That's a great way to bring God into the public marketplace, by the way. And here's a great response. God bless you, you can just say this. He already has. Thank you. <laughs> um, how about this? Anyone before Thanksgiving meal have someone say the blessing? Right? So we use it in that term in some way. Part of the, part of the confusion is there's actually some different biblical words for this. Now, here's another curious thing about blessing and blessed is you don't have to be a Christian or even in the church to use this term. I hear this term a lot. There's people who feel blessed, who are blessed, who were blessed, and maybe it traces back to a little bit of a church background, but it's not just Christians or spiritual people, religious people that use this term. It's a little bit vague. Let me give you three ways that bless is used in the Bible. We're actually going to see some of these in our text today. Bless can be praiseworthy. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. We just, we just sang that, right? Bless the Lord. We are, we are calling back the praise of God. So we're telling our soul, call back to God his praiseworthiness. That's the word bless. How about gift? God's rich blessing. We are blessed with all these different gifts, sort of favored. And then finally, another one is, um, bless can mean flourishing or truly happy. We know the difference between happy and truly happy. Uh, truly happy, deep, long-lasting, abiding happiness. We might call it joy, but it's the idea of flourishing. Now, you should have received a memory verse on the way in. Um, Gria had this great idea to say, listen, what if we had a memory verse for each of these six identities that we're going to look at, and then hidden in our heart will be us... Um, accessing the scriptures that are in, that are with us at all times. If you memorize these word perfect and you drive it into your head so it's word perfect, then you will have six truth statements about who God says that you are with you at all times. That's a really, really powerful tool, by the way, to remain focused, to remain oriented on what is true and factual when everything else around you is spinning out in chaos. Now, hear me. I know I'm getting a little ambitious with, with the, uh, with the memory verses. Um, so just do your best. Okay. There's, there's, there's only a few verses, but like, then you start doing it and you're like, my brain isn't as pliable, but, uh, work at it. It's, it's a, it's a good discipline to have. So I'm going to read our memory verse. I've already been working on this one ahead of time. That's the beauty of being the pastor. You get to work on the memory verse a week ahead. Um, but this is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. And just listen really, really carefully. Um, this is Paul writing to us in our inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Would that you would teach this passage to someone else and give yourself a deadline of three weeks from now. What it will force you to do is sit with this passage 
and just sit with it some more and read it again and read it again and sit with it and beg God to teach you what it means and to work it into your own life. I'm telling you, it's a gift, church. Let me give you this one central truth. This is my, uh, for you ADHD, ADD people, if you're not going to pay attention to any other moments, pay attention right here. It's the entire sermon in one sentence. Ready? You are blessed in the beloved. Oh, that's such a good line. I just gave myself chills saying it again. I've been sitting there all week long. It's still such a good line. You are blessed in the beloved. That is what's true of you in Jesus Christ right now. That's a really, really powerful word to just grab hold of. And that's what we're going to kind of build off of this morning. So what I want to do is I want to say three things about this. If you're taking notes, you can write these things down. Number one is this. I am blessed in the, in the beloved now and forever. There's a deep security in that. There's a deep wonder in that. That no matter the circumstances, no matter what memory your phone brings up, whether you want to remember it or not, you can look at that moment and say, I was blessed right then in that moment. I'm blessed right now in this moment. Some of you walked in these doors and you think, oh, it's so easy to believe I'm blessed today. And some of you walked in these doors and thought, I need some good reminding that I'm actually blessed today. So I'm starting to wonder, I'm starting to forget if that's true. Hear me, now and forever, ever, 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 you are blessed in the beloved. Church, that's really good news. You're going to hear that phrase so much because I want that to lodge in you. It starts today and it won't ever end. So you might be asking, how, what are some of the ways? We just mentioned some things. And think about this. Much of what we mentioned um, is fluctuates. Much of what we mentioned fluctuates. So on one Sunday, you might come here and say, what does blessed make you think of? And you're like, family. And the next week, you're like, uh-uh. Family not making me think I'm blessed right now. There's another word called cursed. It feels more like that this week. It's fluctuating. Now, is family a blessing? Absolutely, it is. Is marriage a blessing? Absolutely. But week in and week out, it'll feel like both blessing and cursing and like, I don't know, kind of 50-50. Give me a minute to think about it. I want to show you, um, just from this passage, some of the blessings. And you can just jot these down uh, quickly. I've left some space for it. Um, pay attention to this. We actually have a Bible translator in with us. Um, Steve Irwin is right here. Give it up for Steve. He's one of our missionaries we support. Raise your hand, Steve, really quick. So um, so this is what he gives his life to, is like thinking about uh, Bible translation and sort of getting God's word into uh, into other people. What I love about Steve, like one of our kindred spirits is, we're both really, really convinced. Our life work, we have nothing if we don't have God's word. Like what we are giving ourselves to, I have nothing to say to you if I'm not preaching the Bible. And so, and so Steve has given his life to getting the Bible in the hands of everyday people so that they can hold fast to it and be fruitful so that they can read it and learn that they're blessed in Christ. So here's what's fascinating. Verses 3 through 14 in your Bible in the Greek is one long sentence. It's as if Paul just began writing about the blessing of God and it just came spilling out and he couldn't even stop. And so he just kept on going. And so this, this idea is one big, long, carried in the Holy Spirit sentence. Here we go. Here's what he turns up. Verse 4, he chose us. This has to do with election. What is our blessing? How am I blessed in the beloved? You're 
you're elected, you're chosen. He chose us in him. This means that you were chosen by eternity past. Now, I know you're thinking right here, wait a minute, I thought I choose God. What about that? What about free will? Hear me really clearly. You did. You chose God, but you would not have chosen God had he not chosen you first. So here's what I want you to hold on to for a second. And by the way, our peon brains can't quite grasp completely election and free will. It's one of the great sort of, you know, either debates or wonders of paradox. Two things that are absolutely true that don't quite work in our limited brain span. But dead people do not choose things. Original sin says we are, we are born spiritually dead. Dead people don't choose the things of God. Here's what I want you to walk away with. If you are here this morning with any semblance of wanting to hear from God, wanting to orient your life to God, wanting to say, God, give me what's real, that's from God. It's showing that you're chosen in him. Embrace that. The flesh does not help you do that. You are picked and you are blessed. Here's number two. He predestined us. That's in verse five. Just as Becky and I initiated and provided for the means to adopt our children from foreign countries far away, God predestined us to be adopted into his. Think about it this way. He thought it up. He paid for it. He left his rightful place and came to us. And then he made the trip and brought us back because we would be helpless to put ourselves in God's family. Just as any of my adopted children would have been utterly helpless to come put themselves in my family. So where election has the choosing, predestination is the path. God has provided the path, the means for you to be into his family. You are blessed in the beloved. Here's another one. Verse 7, you've been redeemed. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Where sin robs us, grace makes us rich. Where sin ruins us, grace more than fixes us. You are blessed in the beloved because you're now safe in God's Fold. Let me give you another one, verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance. The inheritance is secure and sure. Even on days you are crying out with the rest of your siblings and it can't possibly get any worse and you wouldn't listen to any voice of reason telling you differently, you're blessed in the beloved. Because you have an inheritance, a future, and it's totally secure. Nothing changes the estate that right now is forever ours. Let me give you one more. In him you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You've been given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a little bit like an engagement ring. It's a pointer of what's to come. Here's a promise. You are mine. We're together. I'm not going anywhere. How did we get the Holy Spirit? Verse 13 says, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. You were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Let me just point this out. Christian, you are blessed in the beloved. You know what I've just done? I've looked at one sentence in the Bible. 
and highlighted some of the ways that you're blessed. Now, it's a little bit like Yosemite Valley. There's a lot of pointers right here in this one sentence. Not every sentence is quite like this. Some of you are in Leviticus in a reading plan. You're like, I don't see it. It's there. You just have to look a little bit harder. But one sentence, I've just shown you some of the ways you are blessed in the beloved. I want you to look at your image on, on your paper, on your handout right now, and on your memory verse card. Um, Jen, thank you. Jen came up with this image for me. Um, I love it because it shows this dry desert scene, maybe Death Valley, and that's where we are sometimes, and in Death Valley, we're blessed. But right in the distance, we see just these glorious mountains. Right now, my wife is on top of a mountain. It's a ridge that actually looks out to Nevada. It's right at state line, and it's a stunning view. It goes flat, high desert, and then the mountains just shoot up. You know what's happening right here in church? This happens every Sunday at weekly worship. You have brothers and sisters vacationing on a mountain peak. And they're sitting right next to people who have been in the desert a very long time. And there's no water, and it's hot, and it's dry. And somehow these siblings, these spiritual siblings, need to encourage one another. And they do. God's made provision to teach us how to make other people's needs even more important than our own. That we care for one another. We walk with one another. So we sing songs of joy in here. We gather and remember just, oh, so much goodness. And we sing songs of lament in here. Where we just cry out like the Psalms, how long, O Lord? Where are you in the weeping? And so we can, we can minister to each other. But in this picture, remember, whether you're uh, in, in the desert, when you're on the mountain peak, you are absolutely blessed in the beloved. All right, turning your Bible to Luke chapter 6. I'm just taking you to two places this morning, two, again, sort of treasure troves of the word blessed. Did you see we had the word blessed or blessing four times in Ephesians 1? That's in your memory verse. You're just going to hear over and over that we, we bless God. Um, he's blessed us. Now we're in Luke chapter 6. Here's the second thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes. That I am blessed in the beloved gets stressed. Here's what I mean by that. It gets tested. I am blessed gets tested. Jesus had a cousin named John. It's part of the Christmas story. And John began to question all of this blessing stuff. All this talk of blessing and you're blessed and we're blessed and isn't it great to be blessed in God? He began to question it. So he sent some messengers to Jesus with this word. Are you the promised savior or should we keep looking? Now, John would have gone himself, but he was tied up. Literally, he was tied up. He was in prison. He was actually in prison awaiting the moment when his head would be separated from his body. He's about to be executed. Do you see why he's questioning whether Jesus is the one or not? The great John the Baptist struggled and doubted. And what caused struggle and doubt? Being in prison, awaiting to be executed for being God's messenger. That's what. You've been here. Your hope is set. You receive the word with gladness and joy. You orient your life to Jesus. You can name right off the bat all the blessings coming in. Even a parking spot at Target. I'm blessed. God, you see it everywhere. I am gifted. And then wham! 
Life will punch you in the face, kick you in the groin, and stand there laughing at you. And in that moment, you go, what? What happened to the blessing? Am I still blessed? God, are you still blessed? Is this whole thing a sham? Are you the one, or should I be looking somewhere else? Man, you've been at the place where John the Baptist has been. Maybe not in prison, maybe not awaiting your execution, but you've been there. When doubt, when we doubt that we're blessed, it's usually because of these things. We come up with our own definition of what being blessed is. And with those definitions, we bring our own expectations. When our definitions and expectations of the blessed life and who among us is blessed is our own, we will often get confused. So since forever, people have, coming, have been coming up with their own path to blessing, their own plan on how to achieve being blessed. Think back to the garden and the grab from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What was that? That was a grab for blessing. Psst, blessings over here. Shortcut to blessing. And guess what? Since our first parents, we've never stopped doing that. I mean, really, in a way, all of sin is making a grab for blessing that is outside of God. Remember, God created. It's not a, it's not a, uh, a problem of creation. It's a feature of creation to have limits. God embedded that in the garden. And when we grab for blessing outside of God's plan, chaos ensues. There's so much confusion around blessing. Uh, this is maybe losing a little bit of, uh, of, of life now, but the, the hashtag blessed uh, you know, tag is, is there all the time, and people would always put that. I've never once seen hashtag blessed on three kids crying in a dining room. I think that'd be hysterical and theologically accurate, uh, but I just don't see it. That's not how people tend to use that term. There will always be lots of voices telling you about um, how to live the blessed life. Always. That will never, ever stop. And then some are free, saying the blessed life is this way and it's free. Some are, um, it's free now, pay later. But there's always going to be people selling you on the blessed life. I want to tell you uh, definitively that I can tell you the path to the blessed life. I can tell you definitively the path, the, the path to the blessed life. Here's why. The one who's self-identified as the way and the truth and the life, he didn't just come up with clever titles for himself. He taught unambiguously and said, I am the way. I am the path to the blessed life. Get in me. Follow me. And then he just showed us how to do this. I'll say this again. He taught unambiguously, meaning it's accessible to any of you here who can read, even those of you who can't read. We have family devotions from the time our children are very little. Pictures, stories, images. Kids can get this. Non-readers can get this. And then he walked his talk, living a life that actually still causes the world amazement. Here's the warning. 
that Jesus' way will forever seem completely backward and upside down. It will strain your brain to hear the Jesus way on almost every idea. I told you I'm always coming up with t-shirt ideas. Here's another one. Um, Remember this, that Jesus masterfully with his two questions, remember he says, who do people say that I am? He draws that out of them. Then he asks the disciples what? A follow-up question. But who do you say that I am? With the first one, he was exposing the lies. Hey, the masses have no idea who I am. Let me just expose that. And on the second one, he's drawing out the truth. Peter, divinely given inspiration of who Jesus was, says who he was. And what does he say? Blessed are you. You're blessed because guess what? You're chosen. You're getting divine revelation from God. So he exposes lies and reveals truth. We need both of these. What I want you to see with this passage in Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 20, is not just four blessings, but four curses. Why does he give blessings and curses? I can't help myself. One more switchfoot lyric. Every blessing comes with a set of curses. Man, that's a more good theology in a switchfoot song. So sitting side by side, I want to show you four blessings and four curses. Why? Jesus exposes the lies of the curse, and he also reveals the truth. Here we go. Matthew chapter 6, verse 20 says this. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, blessed are you, are you who, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the son of man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all the people speak well of you, for so they, so their fathers did to the false prophets. When you read this passage, it is like a shock to our system at every level when we read this. And the fact that it's so shocking, the fact that um, it just sounds so off, actually shows how broken we are. Everything in our culture is pushing the exact opposite message. Do whatever you can to get over on this side of the column. And whatever you do, take pity on, but don't be one of these people over here on the left column. That's what the messages out there are saying. And you know what the message in here? The messages out here, by the way, don't take any effect unless there's a sin nature in here that wants to hook onto it. Our own flesh hooks onto this. Our own sinful nature, that old that is passing away, is still hooking into some of these messages. So back to this idea of blessed being upside down and backward. Let me say this. Jesus is not being uh, elusive. He's not playing hide and seek. Again, the fact that that passage is so countercultural to sort of what we hear and see just reveals um, how much correction is needed. Jesus is resetting our brain because it's broken. It's seeing things backward. It's like we need to do a handstand, look in a mirror. And we're like, why does, you know, why would I need to do a handstand, look in the mirror to get things right? Well, maybe because it's so upside down and backwards. 
And that's where we live in. The rest of the world tells you to adjust to the brokenness. And they will label liar or hater to anyone who challenges their teaching. You don't see it the way we do? Hater. You don't see it the way we do? Liar. Ugly. Broken. Backward. That's that's the messages going out. In fact, the virtues of our culture, good moral people of our day, and I'm speaking of those not in Christ. They may be in the church, they may be out of the church. That's irrelevant. But good moral people of our day, do what makes you happy. You want to know the path to the blessed life? Do what makes you happy. That's the prevailing gospel that's being preached and proclaimed and celebrated all over the place. So very quickly, how do these stack up against Jesus' teaching? Let's look at this really quickly. The poor versus the rich. Let me get both of these side by side again. Poverty has a way of making one desperate and helpless, often leading them to seek out God. I'm not just talking about financial poverty, although that tends to do it as well. Wealth has the great potential to blind people to their own desperate need. Now, money can do this for sure, but so can poverty, so can wealth of um, opportunity, wealth of health, wealth of relationship. You tend to think, I do not need God. What's the curse that comes with riches? The dual pitfalls of self-reliance and self-righteousness. How about moving on to hungry and filled? Some of you parents know a little technique, which is to give out the veggie trays first when the kids are hungry, and then the chips and dips and some of those things after. Why? Because if you invert that, how many veggies will tend to be eaten? Not many. We will fill up on the fluff, the stuff that just tastes good and the dips and all that kind of stuff, and we have no room, we have no appetite for the veggies. So it is with those who are hungry and those who are filled. Hunger has a spiritual as well as material aspect to it. In both senses, famine has this like waking up effect. Do you know why people fast as a spiritual discipline? It's to rob your body to make you hungry for God. God, I'm having troubles orienting my life on you. Help me just take meal times today. And at least three times a day, when I reach for a snack at three in the afternoon, I am going to will my body to reset on what's, on what's true. That's part of what fasting has to do with it. The filled experience all the comfort they'll ever get. When you are stuffed to the brim with everything this world has to offer, literally there's no room for God left in you. Not only are you not hungry for it, you're just, there's, there's no room for it. Every one of us experiences hunger and filling. It's just a matter of when and how sustaining it is. How about moving on to weepers and laughers? Let me give you a really, really old saying that is still super true today. Eat, drink, and what? Be merry. Merry Christmas! Woohoo! Eat, drink, and be merry. Man, this is as old as time. People have been saying this for a long time. Think of how that pairs with do whatever, do whatever makes you happy. What's sort of the extended version of that? Anyone know? 
Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you may die. That's the more complete gospel that is being absolutely internalized and expressed by many, many, many people. It's a false gospel, and people are eating it up. Jesus tells us really plainly in this passage who will have the last laugh. It goes along with different passages we see in the Old Testament. I would say for us as a church, be careful, little heart, what you laugh at. If we find this world entertaining and full of joy, then the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom come, is laughable to us. And I think we're sort of moving in one of two directions at all times. We say, God, keep me from... Keep me from thinking that all this blessed stuff, this kingdom of heaven, kingdom to come, is laughable. How about hated versus popular? Well, Jesus is saying this, popular, well-loved, complimented, if if that describes you. If you are forever popular, well-loved, and complimented by all people in all of your circles, then you are on the team of the false prophets. That's what he's saying. The message, God is fine with you, you're okay, you're beautiful just the way you are, will have people cheering you on, celebrating you. And it has nothing to do actually with your own brilliance and how you say that and how compassionate you are and how wise you are. It actually has everything to do with their own prideful, sinful heart. They go, yeah, yeah, that's the message. That's the one. I'm going to go hear that. I'm going to hear that over and over and over and over again. To be an outsider, to get excluded for the right reasons is what Jesus says here. By the way, we've talked about this before. You do not have to go looking for this at all. Do not look to be unpopular. That is not the message I'm preaching at all. I'm simply saying this, and we do this regularly here, but if you are walking with the rest of the masses with your back to the cross and your back to the kingdom of God and all the goodness that he has, if you are walking with them, people are just kind of okay with you or championing you, the moment you repent, which means turn around and you're now walking and you're facing towards the cross, you are now bumping into the masses who are going, what's your problem? Why are you doing that? And then if you open your mouth, And you say, friend, this is the way to the blessed life. You're going the wrong way. You will be hated and unpopular and demonized and called names and canceled. It just comes. So don't go looking for it. There are prideful, jerky Christians who are like, sweet, I'm supposed to be unpopular. No, you're not. Just love Jesus. Hear and do what Jesus says. You will be unpopular. It'll find you. I promise you. And rejoice because you'll be in the very company of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you the poster boy for over here, okay? The rich young ruler. Remember Jesus talks to the rich young ruler? Rich young ruler. We have tons of rich young rulers here in the Silicon Valley. Tons of people from all over the world are here to become the next rich young ruler so that they can be in this column right here. And Jesus doesn't say, you're on the right path. Good on you. Boy, you are blessed. You're like the uber-blessed. You're the varsity all-pro-blessed. Good job. He doesn't say that. He says, man, if you don't give all of this away, if this doesn't, if you don't just run from this and run to this, you're done. And what is it, how does the rich young ruler end that exchange? Remember? He goes away sad. He wanted to eat, drink, and be merry and have the blessing of this rabbi. 
and have the ability to put Jesus' name attached to this. Jesus made it really, really clear. You cannot have both. Just as you can't look right now to your left and right wall in this room, you can't possibly go in two directions at the same time. Friends, you will need to return to this and review this often. Everything in the world is against this. Let me go back to Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, for a moment. Remember, he sends word to Jesus, hey, are, are you the one or is there someone else? I'm really confused. In Matthew 11, Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. You know what Jesus is saying? The curse is being reversed with blessing. Hey, disciples of John, go tell John that. Go bring word that the curse is being reversed in all these different realms. Bring report of that. And then the very next verse, Jesus says something interesting. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Tons of Christians are hiding their light under a basket, as it were. Because the name of Jesus is increasingly offensive. Blessed are those who are, who are not offended by me. So the idea that I am blessed gets stressed. It gets tested. Whether your circumstances are awful like John's and you go, am I really blessed? Or whether you find some material short short-term blessing, and you go, is this really the life? I, I, I'm being sort of sucked into this other definition, other expectations of what blessing is. I'll tell you the fruit of people who are in deep pain and confusion or, or people who uh, tend to be confused about real blessing is there's a fruit of envy. I read this this week from Paul David Tripp. He says this, Today you'll envy the blessings of another or... You'll bask in the wonder of the amazing grace you have been given. We'll tend to sort of see other people's blessing and envy it, or we'll just be so enamored with all the blessing God has given us in the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, that we'll be able to celebrate with other people's blessings instead of envy it. Siblings, I'm talking to you. Christmas is coming. And I know how it is. You're opening your present. You barely know what you're opening. Why? Because you're on the lookout. I am the fairness and equity and justice police. Mom and dad better not have skimped on me at all. At all. Hey, sneak in their major gifts. Sneak in underwear. I mean, just, just for comic value. That'd be so great. Just do it to one of your kids. Let's have a teachable moment. All right. A heart ruled by envy replaces the attitude, I am blessed with this. Listen carefully. I deserve... What about my wants? What about my needs? What about my dreams? Man, that is what your flesh is pleading with you, ever pulling at you. This separates marriages. It separates homes. It separates really, really good partnerships in the church and in business. Jesus tells us who we are. This is so orienting. Let me go back to John's cousin in jail one last time. Listen to this. After he says, go tell John the the curse is being reversed with blessing, he says this. 
In Matthew 11:7, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. So the disciples of John are back. Go tell them what he said. Now he's talking to the crowd about this guy, John, in jail awaiting execution. Here's what he says. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? And he recounts all these things, all these wrong assessments that people attached to John the Baptist. Why? Because the lies need to be exposed. Always you will have messages attached to you from people. They're way off. Then he says this, truly, truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. The guy who's about to lose his faith because he's about to lose his head, Jesus makes this assessment of him. Of anyone born of women, there's none greater than John the Baptist. And it is so grounding to just come back to say, Jesus, you tell me who you are because I'm confused. I know people out there are confused. I'm not listening to them. I just, I don't have it from within me. Tell me who I am. And he says that even those in the least of the kingdom of heaven are greater than he is. All right, one last thing. The whole idea of being blessed in the, in, in the beloved is contagious. Let me just say it this way. I am blessed, and so I am a blessing to others. I actually can't help myself. Being blessed in the beloved is contagious. I can learn this from the Bible where... Abram is going to become a great nation, and that nation is going to be a blessing, not just for themselves, but to the nations, right? We're recipients of that. But I learned this really distinctly from my pops. Today is my dad's birthday. So about 10 years ago, um, dad went home to be with the Lord, and this body that we used to celebrate birthdays with on this exact day is no longer needed to him. When you are with someone when they die, you really do think of it like an old, worn-out wetsuit. You're like, yep, that was good for a season. <laughs> it was needed, all this stuff, good. But there's, there comes a moment where, man, that, that is not who you are, is your body. You're something more than that. And so, just like the rest of us, his body wore out at the end. This is from 2012, weeks away from his death. My dad is here in the middle with the shark's blanket uh, there. And there's a whole bunch of us gathered around. And I wanted to show you this picture because this picture to me represents just so many threads of blessing. Um, on this day in 2012, I did two things with my dad I had never done before in my entire life. One was to sit and watch a Dallas Cowboys game with him. He didn't care about any professional sports. He cared about our sports. That's it. That's the only sports he ever cared about. So we sat and watched a cowboy game together. And we did something else we had never done. We planned his funeral together. And I say that with a great big smile because I was so utterly convinced of my dad's life that wasn't about to end. His body was about to be left, but his life was not about to, be, to, be, to, to end. The double blessing of my dad is this. Not only was he blessed in Christ, catch this, he knew it. When you're blessed in the beloved and you know that you're blessed in the beloved, it's a double blessing to everyone 
around you. It's absolutely and utterly contagious. In Ephesians, Paul is telling them that they are blessed. And then you know what he goes on for the next handful of verses, all the way into chapter 2? He goes into a prayer for the church. What does he pray for the church? Listen to this. That they would have eyes to see the fullness of their blessing. Go read it for yourself. Ephesians starts like unlike any other book of the Bible. Starts with this, you are blessed. And then he moves into this prayer, oh, that you would see and catch and grasp and live in the, the reality of that blessing. Oh, that you would know just how blessed that you are. I was double blessed because my dad was blessed in the beloved and he knew it. Church, I pray the same for you. Remember Jesus' very last act on earth? It's called the ascension. You guessed it. Listen to Luke 24, 50. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. Jesus leaves blessing his disciples. He'll come back blessing his disciples. Let me invite the band to come on up. And while they do that, don't lose me. Let me show you one more picture. This is from Thanksgiving this year. Look at that plate. It says blessed. Here's my invitation to you this week. Blessed is past tense. It's already happened. My invitation to you would be instead of constantly asking for the Lord's blessing, review how you're already blessed. If you get forget, take your notes out. And if you didn't write them down, get your neighbor who did. And just review Ephesians 1. All these doctrinally true things of how we're blessed in the beloved. I want you to take a good look at this. This is uh, a platter made by my wife. And I sat there, just look at all the details of that. And I thought about how this one thing, made in love, Becky is a blessed woman, and she blessed a whole giant family gathering because of this. And catch this, here's a great metaphor for Christians. As we feasted on this and watched the Cowboys win that day, it was a great, great time. Everyone was happy, except for all my Niner family. As we're sitting here eating on this, you know what it was? This was the pre-feast. Every single person in that room knew this wasn't even the main event. There was a massive feast about to come, moments away. I just thought, man, what a, what a glorious picture of what this is for us. We're in the appetizer mode right now. These blessings that we kind of, they're not meant to just fill us up completely. There's coming a day when we'll be filled and all of our questions, all of our tears will be gone. All of that will be, will be wiped away. Maybe an action item to, uh, this year could be this. I am blessed in the beloved. Right there at the top of a journal page. Leave yourself pages and pages and pages afterwards. You know why? Every time you are reading scripture this next year, every time you're in church, every time you sing a song, every time you're like, like one of my kids at the start of this talk, you can go, I am blessed in the beloved. And you could write down a reason of how that's true. And you could just go back to that over and over and over and review it. God, we thank you that you've provided Jesus. We thank you you've provided the gospels that teach us and show us exactly what a blessed life looks like. God, I'm thankful for the Proverbs that every single day of the month we can go to the proverb of the day and it's laid out for us. It's spelled out for us who's blessed and who's cursed, who's wise and who's a fool. God, those two resources are ours for the taking. I pray that we'd make use of them.